I want to build off of Garland's message last week. And so as he spoke to us about the witnesses of the resurrection and gave us a lot of details in regards to the story of the rising of the dead, what is that all for? Why did Jesus rise from the dead? And so what we look at this morning is a very encouraging passage here is in Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. So our exposition is quite small, but there's a lot that we can unpack from this text. So you have your Bible, go with me to Philippians chapter 3. We'll back up a little bit here in the text and see how it motivates us in our life. Because when we have this right perspective and seeing the fruit that comes from the resurrection of Jesus... It changes our priorities. It changes our focus. It's a wonderful thing. And while you're turning over there, I'm going to ask you to pause for a second. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon us now as we study your word. Father, help us to understand the scriptures, to take, to take heart from what we are to read and study this morning. Father, help us to have the right priorities and the focus on Christ. Father, help us to have joy and the hope of the resurrection and the glorious body that we will receive. Father, stir us to good works and bless us to share this truth with others. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right. I always found this subject very interesting. It's, it's very interesting to, to have this discussion with uh, often un, other believers. And I'm often surprised by Christians who are not aware of what the Bible has to say in regards to eternal life and the hope of the resurrection. And the Bible says that our hope as Christians in Romans 8 and verse 23 is in the resurrection, the redemption of the body. And that's an amazing thing to think about. So when Jesus rose from the dead, when he conquered death and gave us victory through his resurrection, what did he accomplish? And so we get a a little snapshot, a picture of it here in Philippians chapter 3 and the very last two verses of the chapter. As I think about this, I, I hope these things excite you. This is this always gives me energy. I love being able to preach on this subject and it might seem like uh, I preach on it a lot. I know it comes out of me and a lot of different sermons for not a different reasons and Bible studies. It came out definitely in the Bible study this morning when we went through Romans chapter 6. I can't get away from it. Why? Because it's the heart of the gospel. It's the death and resurrection of Christ, what was accomplished in our life, and what's accomplished in the life to come, eternal life. That's what excites me about it. And I hope that when you read these things and you study them, you're like, I want that. I want a part of that. I make sure that this is ingrained in my, my kids. I told you before when I was growing up, the very idea of dying and just being a disembodied spirit that uh, hovered around in the ether of heaven uh, was not very encouraging to me. I didn't like it. But as I've been able to teach and show them what the Bible has to say on regards to what Christ has accomplished and what he promises us, I'm happy that my children say, yes, we look forward to the day when Christ comes back. We look forward to the hope of the resurrection and what the Bible has to say on the matter. All right, so look right here, and this is Philippians 3. I'm going to use the Legacy Standard Translation and then the ESV right after that. So Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21, this is what we read. And Paul says, for our citizenship, and that's the only place that this word is ever translated, polytuma, is translated citizenship. Throughout the rest of the Bible, it's translated as the commonwealth and the blessing of which we are going to receive, the country in which we're going to inherit. It says, our citizenship, our commonwealth, is in heaven. It awaits for us there. Christ said, I go away to prepare a place for you. That's what we're reading about here. And he says, and in my father's house, there are many dwellings, and I am preparing a place there. 
And so as we read the Scriptures, we get descriptions about this place that we're going to live at. And it's going to be compatible to the resurrected body. Okay? And I think that's something to put your mind around. When you go and you read passages like Isaiah chapter 65 and verse 17 and following, you begin to read about this place that we're going to live after the resurrection. That we're going to build houses. That we're going to plant vineyards. That we're going to live in this way in peace with God. And a lot of people don't usually picture eternal life in this way. But this is what the Bible teaches. I encourage you, you look at Isaiah 65 and look at Revelation 21 and 22. Go to Hebrews chapter 11 and look at the hope and the promise of the heavenly country and the city that has been promised that God is going to give to us. He gives us a country for which to live in. So our commonwealth is in heaven. And he says, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior. We wait for Christ to come again. This reminds me of 1 Thessalonians 4, where the passage says, I don't, we don't mourn like other people are, but we have a comfort in this, that when Christ comes back, that He's going to come, and that the spirits are going to come with Him, and they're going to rise from the dead. There's going to be a resurrection from the dead. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And so what do we read right here? Very similar thing. We wait for the Savior. What's going to happen? Our Lord Jesus Christ will come, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory. In other words, my body with its weaknesses, I face death, it's going to decay, I'm going to grow old. And Christ gives us the hope, He says, you're going to receive a glorious body. Your humble state and your weakness is going to be transformed. That's the promise here. God is the Creator. God come in the flesh. He can make that promise. He's the one that created everything, made Adam and Eve, made Adam from the, the soil, from the dusty earth. And then definitely He can recreate and transform our bodies. He can restore us to the resurrected body. And so when He promises that, I believe it. He says, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with His glory. I'm going to read another ESV in a minute so you can get a, another picture of it. And by His working through which He is able even to subject all things to Himself. What does that mean? Christ is going to do the work. He can subject all things to Himself because He's all-powerful. He is the Word by which all things have come into being. He is the Creator. So it's no, it's no task or difficult thing for Jesus to resurrect the dead. It is a work that He promised to do that He accomplished when He rose. Look at the passage again, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. Paul says our citizenship, our commonwealth is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. When Christ rose from the dead, we'd studied it and looked at it last week. The text says there in Luke chapter 24, um, and also in John chapter uh, twenty. And following, we read about Thomas doubting uh, in John. And we see, I won't believe until I can touch Jesus. And then he does. When Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't rise as a spirit. He didn't rise as an apparition or a vision. He rose bodily from the dead. And the Bible says we will resurrect like him. Over and over again throughout the New Testament, we see that repeated as Jesus promised as well in the Gospels. That there will be a resurrection. He says, you're going to share in my glory. What was the glory of Jesus resurrecting from the dead when Thomas could still reach out and feel his scars and see him? Well, Jesus rose never to die again. 
He had the glory of eternal life upon him and in, in, on his body. He took on the new nature and he took on the nature of immortality, the Bible says, now to live on. But he was still in that body. Jesus said over in Luke chapter 24, he says, see and know that I am flesh and blood. I am not a spirit. He says that. So I'm not a spirit. Look at me. I am flesh and blood. And he ate there in front of them. That's how he rose from the dead. So when I read this promise and I see what he has accomplished, this is the hope I have that my lowly body will be transformed to be like his glorious body. I can read other passages like 1 Corinthians 6 14 about this that just as Christ rose to the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit, so will I. I can read 2 Corinthians 4 verse 14. I can read 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 4. I can read Romans chapter 6 and verse 5 uh, through 7. I can read uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 11. And then again, Romans 8 and verse 20 about the redemption of the body. I can go on and on and on about these passages, Old Testament and New Testament, that promises this, but I'm always surprised how many Christians are not aware of it. That it's not a part of their hope. This is it. This is what was accomplished by Jesus rising from the dead. The promised hope, again, is that Christ will transform our bodies. That we will put on immortality, never to die again. He will restore us to health and to life again, just as He was. We'll do the same thing. The Apostle Paul, he speaks of this event, and he's speaking to this church at Philippi. This church at Philippi, he praises them. This is one of those churches that there's nothing wrong with this church. But he's encouraging them because he says from the very beginning, you've been helping me out, and I want to stir you up, and I want to remind you of this. I want you to remind you of the faith that we have that when Christ comes again, that you're looking forward to that transformation. And he mentions this at the end of the chapter because the whole of chapter 3, he's saying, I want to make sure that you have your priorities right in life. Because when you know about this hope, and you know about the transformation of the body, the resurrection to come, it changes the way that you view everything. It changes the way that you live. It changes the way that you treat your body. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, I got this body and I can do whatever I want to because I'm not going to need it after this life. Well, maybe things happen to your body and Christ restores you to health, but I'm not going to treat it as unholy. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible says, live and treat your, your body in a holy way. Based on what? Because Christ rose from the dead and you will rise from the dead. That you are to live a holy life and to keep yourself from sexual immorality. 1 Corinthians 6, half the chapter is about that. You can look at 1 Corinthians 6, I believe it's verses 13 through 20. So as I look, about, I look at this and I, I look at the implications of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ and what was accomplished, it's meant to give us hope of the future, to tell us what is coming for us, what God has promised to us, and it's also telling us how to change our lives, how to get things in order, how to make sure that my priorities are right. What I want to look at this morning, I made your, I, the bulletin on the sheet, I didn't give you fill in the blank this morning. I'm going to leave it to you, but i got some little short briefs right here if you want to use just write down the bold words. And what I'm looking at are themes that come out in this one passage. And what we're seeing here again is the importance of our bodies that God has given to us, that we will rise again, that we'll be resurrected. Jesus didn't get a brand new body. He was resurrected and restored to life. That was the promise. That was what was occurred there and what has been given to us. We also here have the hope of glory. What glory do we expect? What do we hope for? What assurance do we have? What has been taught to us in this passage is we look forward to being made like Christ. 
This should stir your heart. It should motivate you and compel you that I want the promises of God. It also gives us an assurance. I have an assurance of this, of the future for believers in the next life, the resurrected life. Because why? Because I believe Christ rose from the dead. And I know how He rose. And I'm going to rise in the same way. I believe the Bible and I believe the Scriptures. Another thing that we see here, another theme that comes out of here in Philippians 3, just those two verses, we see that the, our identity continues on. A lot of people are confused about that and they're like, well, will I be able to recognize people where they know me? You can keep your identity, your bodily identity, and it, you continue to live on in, these trans, in the transformed body. And there's so much to read about this. I encourage you, if you want to read more, go to 1 Corinthians 15. But continue on just looking at the text. Another thing that's pointed out here is that all things are subject to Christ. We see the power of Jesus. What's He doing? What's He accomplishing? And in this, He rose from the dead to give us eternal life and the hope and the promise that He has power over death and life. That He will raise us again. So we have the hope of the resurrection from our weak bodies to live again. Another thing that stands out here in the text, another theme, is the centrality of Jesus. I want you to think about this. There is no other faith in religion that promises you resurrection. There is nothing else and through any other name by which you can be saved than Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. There is no other way. You know, people say I'm a good person and I hope that I'll be somewhere in the afterlife as a spirit somewhere. And I I think you're probably right about a lot of that. Uh, But you're not going to have a part in the resurrection because it's only through Christ. Only by Jesus. Now think about that and the hope of the Jewish faith is resurrection. Why? Because of so many scriptures that talk, talks about it in the Old Testament. But where's the power of it? Where's the way? Where's the way which God has provided? And we see that in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. Uh, likewise, the, the Muslims have taken this and, bus- and, and borrowed it excuse me, from, from Jesus and from the, from the Old Testament and New Testament. The idea of the resurrection. But they have no means of resurrection. And and no reason to really believe in it or have an emphasis on it. Only we see in the centrality and the power of Christ the way in which to rise from the dead is through Jesus. So how does Christ's promise in the resurrection change our priorities? It changes our lives right now. It changes the way that we think, the way that we behave, the way that we look forward to the future, what we think about um, when we gather on the first day of the week. I want you to notice this, this was our scripture reading that Cohen read for us. Philippians 3, 8 through 9. Now listen to what Paul's saying now, knowing what direction he's going, knowing that he's going to come down to the, to the hope of the glorious resurrection. He says this, more than that, I count all things to be lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord from whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. What's he saying? He says, I'm willing to give it all up and I have to know Christ. Why? He says, not having a righteousness of my own which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Righteousness which is from God upon faith. In other words, the righteousness that I get from God is by faith. It comes from Him. It's not from me. It's all by God's gift. And I'm always thinking this way. Why? He says that I may know Him. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. There's a lot of individuals who say they're believers today and they don't know the power of the resurrection because they don't believe in it. 
They say, oh, I'm just going to die one day and be a spirit. I'm going to go to heaven and that's it. And they have no concept or belief in the resurrection of the dead or the glorious body to come. He says that, he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship. That means the sharing of his sufferings. Being conformed to his death. How do we conform to the death of Christ? In our Bible study this morning, Romans 6 tells us, we die to ourselves, we crucify the old person, we're buried in water, and we rise up and we live a new life, a holy life. And he says, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to what? I want to attain to this, he says, to the resurrection of the dead. That word resurrection means bodily rising to life again. Do you want that? Does it motivate you and compel you? It does me. Every time I look at it and I study it, it excites me. It encourages me. I'm, in, I'm so strengthened by the knowledge of this. I want to know God and I'm willing to give up all things to know Christ and to know the power of His resurrection. Is it worth it? Is it worth giving up everything to attain this? That's a question you have to ask yourself. Am I going to continue to live for what I want, what my body wants, what the flesh wants, what society tells me I should want? Or am I going to pursue Christ and His promises and what He offers to me? Notice this, Philippians 3, 12 through 14. And going back a little bit further as we're following the text down, he says this, Not that I've already obtained it or I've already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that in which I was... I also was laid hold of by Christ, Jesus. And so it's grabbed hold of me, and I grab hold of Christ, and I haven't attained it yet, but I press forward to it. He said, brothers, I do not consider myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do. Notice this. this notice this way that he lives life. I forget what's behind. Reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, some, some people will carry their sins throughout their whole life with them, their mistakes, their failures. They'll let it drag them down instead of seeing themselves as a new person. Instead of focusing on the promise of God's grace and His, promise, His, uh, His promises to us of the resurrection of the dead, all those things give us hope and they set us in the right perspective and in the right direction. It gives us the strength and the ability, he says, for us to press forward, to forget the things that are behind to forget those past mistakes. So as we think about that, I hope that we can answer some questions this morning, personally. What are some things in my life, in your life, that you need to forget about, that are holding you back, that's keeping you from focusing on Christ, and, and thinking about the goal of the resurrection? What's distracting you and getting in the way of the hope that has been given to you? I want you to think about this as well. I can't give you all the answers to this. You have to make the application on your own. You think about some of the practical steps that you need to take to stay focused on Christ. You know what the Bible says? The Bible's going to... We talked about that in this, on our, this morning in our Bible class. I need to read God's Word. I need to be in it. I need to be prayerful. I need a church family around me to support me. I need to be involved in church. I need to be devoted and committed as a disciple of Christ. I need to be completely focused and the whole of this message this morning is to encourage you to do that. Because that's what Paul was doing. He says, I'm looking forward to the glorious body to get, be given to me and to all people. I look forward to the resurrection. Now to connect what we've read to the very end, this is what Paul says. And it makes a fitting conclusion this morning. Listen to what the Bible says. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, he's saying if you're mature and you've been you're living completely as a Christian in faith to God. 
Think this way. How am I going to think? He wants us to change our thinking. If in anything you think differently, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep walking and step with the same standard to which we have attained. We've been given a standard in Jesus. We've been given a standard and a hope of looking to Him and to rise like He rose from the dead, to put away our past sins and our past lives, to rise up to a new life with Him. And He says this, Brothers, join in following My example. Paul puts him out, himself out there as the example. Follow my example. The way that I think and the way that I behave and where my focus is. And look for those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Look at that pattern. Look at that example of the death, burial, resurrection, how it takes full form in other Christians. And so that's one practical step you can do this morning is look around for examples, for mentors, for encouragers, for those that can be there by your side to help you to grow as a Christian, to live in sanctification and holiness. We want that. We want to follow that pattern. And then he says, and he gives a warning here. This is Paul's concern. Why all of this? Why teach this? For many walk of whom I often told you and now tell you even crying. So you see, this is, there's something about this that has broken his heart. I'm going to write to the church at Philippi. And I'm going to tell them about the hope of the resurrection. And I wanted to change the way that they think and their focus because it breaks my heart that some have become enemies of the cross of Christ. He says, whose end is destruction. It's hell. It's death. Whose God is their stomach. In other words, they worship their desires. Whose glory is in their shame. The shameful things that they do, they take pride and glory in it and boast of it in front of other people. They're enemies. They become enemies of Christ and it breaks his heart. The response of Paul is to cry, to weep. They've set their thoughts on earthly things. This morning, if you set your thoughts on earthly things, we encourage you to repent. Think about the heavenly things, the promise in Christ that He's given to you. He promises us glorious bodies. He promises us a transformation. And I think these words here are a fitting benediction. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us as we eagerly await His return and the transformation of our bodies. Amen. Anybody this morning who needs to come to Christ to put him on in baptism, to make those changes in your life, to change and put your priorities right and focus on Christ, to take and accept the promises of God of the resurrection to come, you can do that now. You have sins that you need to leave behind so you can press forward. We want to encourage you in that. We want to pray with you. Let's stand and sing together.